Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message is the introduction to our 2020 series, Seeing the Bible Clearly. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. We're going to dive into God's Word together. Um, I'm excited that we have a new year and we're starting a brand new series because um, I'm really anticipating what God's going to do through His church as we um, go into this coming year and we study through the Bible in a year. That's been our plan for the year of 2020. We've shared that through the last month to let you know um, what we'd be doing. And hopefully many of you have started with a daily Bible reading plan to get through the Bible in a year. If you haven't, then know that uh, it's not too late. Um, We're only five days in. You can definitely jump in and and get started on that. But um, I know for some of you, when I share that we're going to read through the Bible in a year together and we're going to study through the Bible in a year together, some of you are super excited about that. Some of you um, are are pumped up because you're readers, you're studiers, you're excited to dive in and, and take a deep dive into God's Word this year. However, I also know that for many of you, reading through the Bible in a year probably sounds terrifying. I know for some of us, we're like, well, I'm just not a reader. You know, I just can't comprehend what I read. The Bible's a big book. It's, it's difficult. I don't understand it. It's confusing, and it can be difficult to read, and that is true. You know, for, for some of you, you're already thinking, I'm never going to make it. You know, I'm not going to be able to read through the whole Bible. Maybe you've tried before, and you failed, and, and you had good intentions, and you started reading, and, and you started a plan, but then you got a little bit behind, and, and once you get a little bit behind, it starts to seem overwhelming, so you quit. I think that often we attempt to read through the whole Bible or we fail to attempt to read through the whole Bible because we fear failure and we fear that that we won't make it because we've tried before. You know, we know that we're going to get about four books in and we're going to get in the book of Numbers and then the ship will crash and burn, right? You know, you you get there and you're like, what am I even reading and what does this even mean? And and then we we stop because we fear failure. And, And, you know, I read an interesting illustration from Bob Goff this week. It was in his daily devotional that we got our son Aaron for Christmas. And he came down and he's like, hey, you gotta read this. This is this is fascinating. And in it, Goff says that for years, scientists and engineers thought that breaking the sound barrier was impossible for a manned aircraft. And the reason that they feared traveling at 768 miles per hour, which is what breaks the sound barrier, the reason they feared that is because of what happens at 767 miles per hour. At 767 miles per hour, just one mile short of breaking the sound barrier, what happens is that the the airplane would start to shake violently. And there would be a lot of rattling and jerking, and and it would just get so violent that that the pilots would pull back. They would throttle back. and, And what they didn't know is that they were experiencing that great pressure because they were on the verge of a breakthrough. I want to suggest that when you're on the verge of a breakthrough in your spiritual life, you are going to experience turbulence. You're going to experience some violent shaking in your life. And you know why? Because the enemy, Satan, doesn't want you to have that breakthrough. He doesn't want you breaking through and reading God's word in a year. He wants to mess with you. And when you start to get closer to God, what you experience is maybe um, some, some violent shaking and crazy things start to happen in your life. And it starts to pull you away from doing what you desire to do. So I want to share that it's going to take discipline to read through the Bible in a year. It's going to take some discipline to maybe wake up 30 minutes early every morning and start off with some prayer and then read the Bible. You'll have days where you'll think, you know what, I'm just too tired to do this. And guess what? The plane is starting to rattle. Then you'll read a whole passage in the Bible and you'll not understand a thing and and you start to experience some major shaking. 
and then you'll get behind a little bit and you'll feel overwhelmed and you'll be ready to quit. Um, but what you need to realize is that this shaking and this, this um, turbulence is happening because you're on the verge of a breakthrough. So I want to share something with you. If you will stick through this year as we study through the Bible together, I can guarantee you there will be a breakthrough. I don't make many guarantees, but if you will stick with it and you will d dive in and read the Bible through in this year, you will experience breakthrough because there's nothing more important to your spiritual life than understanding and receiving and applying God's word to your life. And we're going to do it together. That's our, our plan for this year. We're going to spend all of 2020, 47 sermons that we already have planned out that we're going to go straight through the Bible and we're going to hit all the major themes and stories and, and we're calling it um, 2020, seeing the Bible clearly. And next week, we're going to begin part one of that series where we'll spend nine weeks learning about the God who creates. So it's going to be a fascinating time for us. So listen, um, I've put together some resources because I want to help you in this journey because I know it can be overwhelming. And at the very least, what I hope you will commit to is you'll commit to be here every weekend to hear the sermons through the Bible because they're going to help you understand what you've been reading. And if you have to miss, I hope you'll check out the podcast so that you can stay up to date. We've also provided a reading plan. Um, that reading plan will help you. Maybe you got one of these as you came in. They're at the Welcome Center. We sent it out through the What's Happening email. So it's, we gave it out last weekend. It's there for you to, to read through um, the whole Bible in a year. And it's a five-day-a-week plan. That way you don't have to hit every single day. You know if you miss a day that you're not behind. You know? So it's a five-day-a-week plan to help you get through the Bible. I came across a great app um, that I'm using. And it's called Read Scripture. And we're going to put that up on the screen for you so you can see what it looks like. If you go to your app store and you download that, it will guide you through reading through the Bible in a year. And the thing I really like about it, it's a new app. The thing I like about it is it has a video for every single day. So you do your reading for the day. And then it has a psalm that you pray through. And then it has a video that then teaches you the context of what you just read. So you know, a lot of times we read through and we're like, I don't have a clue really what's going on here. Well, the video then teaches you about what you just read and the context of it so you begin to understand a little better. So I highly recommend that app. I'm using that. Another resource um, that I think is terrific for understanding the Bible is the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's a children's Bible, but it is fascinating. It is awesome, and I recommend it. Whether you have kids or you don't have kids, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you're an adult, you're single, you have no kids, get this. And read it. It's awesome. It's got great illustrations, good colorful pictures. See, you'll like it. It's got lots of pictures, but it speaks to the main stories in the Bible and how they whisper the name of Jesus. It helps you begin to understand how even in the Old Testament, the stories that, that we have learned and, and heard, as you read through here, you start to see how they point to the coming Messiah. And you start to see how the Bible connects. This is a fantastic resource for you to read through as well. And maybe if you've never read through the Bible in a year, maybe you pick up that one and you read it first and it will help you begin to understand the whole of the Bible. Um, there's also workbooks that you can grab. They're out at the Welcome Center. They're $5 each and they will help you kind of go a little bit deeper on what we teach on the weekend so you can follow through that workbook and it will help you begin to understand too. And those workbooks are gonna be used in our home groups. That's another resource for you as a home group. You know, we're not made to do this life alone. We're not made to go through life in isolation. We are made to go through life with one another. There's a lot of one another's in the scripture. They're there for a reason because we need one another. 
So we're highly recommending that you sign up for a home group. Some of them have already filled up. We're, we're limiting them to 12 people because 12 people is about as big as you can get as a group where you have good discussion, where you can um, uh, share with each other and, and get to know each other and connect with one another. And you're going to discuss what you're learning as you read through the Bible. And as, as um, we preach the sermons, you'll be discussing what um, the sermon uh, information was and going a little bit deeper so I highly recommend those home groups. You can sign up for those out in the Welcome Center. They're not going to meet every single week. They will meet regularly. And, you know, that's the goal is that we meet together regularly. That's what you see the early church doing is they met together regularly. So when you get into your home group, your home group leader will then contact you and let you know when your first meeting will be. Then you'll work together as a group to figure out your schedule, kind of a month or maybe a couple months at a time. We'll take breaks during like the spring break and summer break and fall break. We'll adjust around vacations. So it's not like you're making a commitment for the rest of your life that, hey, every Friday I've got to be in this group. We want you to know that, that there will be flexibility with that and, and there's understanding that you can't always make a, a lifetime commitment to meet every, every Friday or whatever night that group is. So um, those will be flexible. They are for adults. Um, so you'll have to find your own child care, people to watch your kids, those kind of things. So just to, to give you a heads up on those, each group will kind of work that out as you can. Um, so be a part of a home group. That's going to be another resource for you. And if you want to go even deeper, there's some more resources that we put together on a resource list that's been sent out through the What's Happening email. The list is out there at the Welcome Center, but some of you may want to dig even deeper into God's Word. That's there for you. Check those out. Because we all need each other, and we all need all the help we can get. Listen, the Bible is a complex and long book. It has 31,102 verses in here. In the Bible, there are 1,663 commands that, that we are to, to know and understand. There are 40 different writers with one author being God. So there are 3,237 different characters found in the Bible, and there are 31 different guys named Zechariah. So you can see that it gets confusing because you're reading about Zechariah and you're like, which one of the 31 is it, right? So you, you've got to become familiar with God's word to begin to understand it. You know, Jacob becomes Israel, and sometimes he is called Israel, and you're like, are they talking about the nation of Israel, or is this Jacob right now? So you've got to begin to understand those kind of things. Saul becomes Paul. Animals talk. Angels wrestle with, an angel wrestles with a man. Kids make fun of a bald guy, and he calls down a curse on them, and out of the woods come a couple bears that maul the 42 kids that make fun of the bald guy. So you see, the Bible is complex, and it's kind of confusing. So we need to, to become familiar with it and understand the context of it so that we can begin to know why did God allow those bears to maul those kids, right? And, and take, it, take it out of context, it sounds kind of crazy. But the Bible can be confusing, and we need each other to begin to understand it more clearly. And by the end of this year, you're going to see the Bible more clear, clearly, and you're going to begin to understand that every character, every genealogy, every command, every story points to Jesus. Every story whispers his name. You see, I believe that this series is going to completely change some of your lives because for some of you, you're going to get your mind around the big picture of the Bible for the very first time. The, the stories of the Bible and the big picture of the Bible is going to come into clarity and it's going to start to make sense. And I will tell you, there's nothing better for your marriage. There's nothing better for your self-understanding. There's nothing better for your sense of identity and self-worth and purpose in this life than knowing this story and your place in this story. 
and beginning to understand your identity in Christ because of what Christ has done for you. And that's what we'll learn as we begin to understand the Bible more clearly. Now, if you're new to Christianity or you're just curious about it, then, then I can think of nothing more beneficial for you than, than this. But again, don't get overwhelmed by trying to understand everything that you read. That's what I want you to understand as well, that I don't want you to get overwhelmed by, I don't understand what I'm reading, I don't, I don't get it. I want you to, to know that there are two different ways that you can read the Bible. One, you can read it to gain information, and we can look at a text, and we can study it, we can go deep in it, and we can try to really learn what is God saying here, or we can read it to gain familiarity. And as you read through the Bible in a year, I want you to think more on the lines of, I'm going to read this to get familiar with it. So don't worry about, well, I've got four chapters to read today and I've got to really understand everything. I want you to read those four chapters with the idea that I want to get familiar with what God's word says. I want to be able to, to know and be familiar with the stories so that when myself or Blake is up here preaching on the weekend and we go deeper into a topic, then you have read it and you're familiar with it and you go, okay, now I see I'm starting to understand why that happened. I'm starting to understand why that's in there, and, and we'll take it a little bit deeper. Then when you're in your home group, and you're meeting, and you're talking, and you're discussing, and you're answering the questions in the workbook, it's making more sense because you've become familiar with what it is you're discussing because you have already read it. So read it with that in mind, um, and that will help you, and, and that's going to that's gonna help you get more familiar with God's word, and then when you hear a sermon on it, then you begin to connect it and apply it. So I want us to start today by looking at a psalm that is basically a love song, um, and it, we're going to gain understanding about it. We're going to gain more understanding about God's word. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's a love song. It's a love poem about the Bible itself. We don't really know the author of who this poem, uh, we don't know the author of who wrote this. Um, many theologians think it was Ezra who wrote it, but regardless of who wrote it, um, whoever it is, they are amazed by the word of God. They write this poem in a very creative way. It has 22 stanzas, and each um, the word that begins the stanza starts with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. So each line of each stanza begins with, one of those letters of the corresponding alphabet. And I want you to see, though, that this poem, this long love poem, the longest love poem in the Bible, it's not about marriage. The longest love poem in the Bible, it's not about family. The longest love poem in the Bible, it's not about our children or, or who we're to love. It's not about loving your neighbor. The longest love poem in the Bible is not about walking along the beach or experiencing sunsets. The longest love poem in the Bible is about the Bible. It is about a love for God's word. And the Jewish people have used this psalm for years as part of their New Year's celebration, so I think it's very appropriate that we kick off our New Year with it. Charles Spurgeon once said that every preacher should memorize this whole thing. It's said that William Wilberforce had Psalm 119 memorized. And I'm standing before you to tell you that this preacher does not have Psalm 119 memorized, but I'm very familiar with it. Okay, it's a long, long, long psalm, but some do have it memorized. Um, I'm familiar with it. I want you to get familiar with it as well. So if you please stand with me, we're going to read from Psalm 119. We're not going to read all 176 verses. I just picked some out that, that I'm going to read to you because they are important to the sermon for today. So in Psalm 119, here's what God's word says, starting in verse 1. It says, blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. 
who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Go to verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Verse 23. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Verse 41, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. 99 through 100, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 135 through 136, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Verse 174 through 176, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. You can be seated. As always, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Now, the first thing I want us to see is that the Bible is God's word. Throughout this psalm, the author refers to scriptures as testimonies of God, as statutes, as law, as precepts, as rules, as commandments, and as a word from God. You know, sometimes I think people will claim they don't believe the Bible because they think it's a collection of writings from a bunch of different men, and they say, how can these men write for God? And the reality is that the Bible has one author, and that one author is God. And God inspired those 40 different people to write down what he told them. And that's one of the most important things to learn about the Bible, that it is the very word of God spoken from God and given to humans to write down for God. It has 40 different writers, one author. God is the author of this book. And he used the Holy Spirit to speak those words to those writers who then put the pen to paper to give us the Bible that we have. I love how 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says this about the Bible. It's one of my favorite verses, passages in all the Bible. I share it all the time. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's what we believe about the Bible, is that the Bible is the very Word of God, and it's profitable for us. It gives us um, teaching to, to live by. It it causes reproof in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it trains us for righteousness. Now, of course, as we read through the Bible, we have to learn how to interpret the Bible, and many people will talk about and, and get confused about interpretation of the Bible. We have to know when the Bible is speaking metaphorically 
We have to know which laws the Bible says don't apply to us anymore. We have to understand those kind of things, and we'll get to that throughout the year as we study through. Um, we'll study through those things. But for now, what I want you to see is that the Bible is the very word of God, and it's given to us to learn about Jesus. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And that's something we truly believe here at Forward about God's word. It's firmly fixed in the heavens. It's not changing. It's the same yesterday, today, always, just like God is. He has fixed his word firmly in the heavens, and the Bible that we read is not to be changed. It is to be understood and to learn and to grow by, but his word is in heaven. It's established, and here's why that's important. We have to decide whether we believe that's true or not. You as a Christian have to decide if you believe that the Bible is actually what Jesus and the apostles and the prophets said that it is. If it is, then you have to accept it and accept all of it. And you have to understand that the word of God, you can't pick and choose what you like about it, and you can't rewrite what it says. If you don't know yet what you think about it, then come this year. Commit to coming this whole year and, and learning about the Bible and, and understanding more about the Bible and becoming familiar with the Bible. Then you decide for yourself if you really believe it's the word of God and that it's firmly fixed in the heavens. But that's what we believe here at Forward Church. We also believe that the Bible is life-giving law, that it gives life to us. The word law that the psalmist uses throughout the psalm, like he uses in verse 72, it really means like a straight edge, like something that you'd use to measure a piece of cloth or to construct a building. So he says your word is like a straight edge. And imagine if we didn't have a standard use of measurement for construction or for making clothing. If we didn't agree that an inch is an inch or a pound is a pound, then we'd have chaos, right? And, and, and things wouldn't ever match up or, or work right if we didn't agree on those things. Now, sometimes when I buy clothing, I kind of wonder if we have that agreement because a medium's not always a medium, right? You know, but I'm hoping and trusting in that when I order a size 12 shoe because I wear a size 12, that the size 12 is gonna fit me. And if we have a measurement that we all agree upon, then a size 12 should always be a size 12. And there's human error in there and some of those things. But yeah, I think you get what I'm saying. God's law is the straight edge by which we measure all things in life. That's how we learn what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. But many of us, of course, don't really like the idea of anybody telling us what's best for us. We'd rather follow our own hearts, right? It's popular for people today to say, just do what's right for you. You just do what's right for you. But the problem with that is, what if what's right for you is not what I say is right for me? All of a sudden, we have a problem. We need a straight edge to direct our hearts to what's right and what's good. Listen, how many of us in this room have followed our hearts before and ended up in a mess of trouble? This guy. We follow our hearts and we end up in trouble. I've done that. The Bible actually says that we should not trust our own hearts. You know that? The Bible tells us that. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And anyone who has truly followed your heart knows deep down that that's true. Our heart often wants things that are not good for us. Our heart often wants things that are opposed to what God would have for us. God wants what's best for us, but we often want to follow our heart, and we end up finding out that that really wasn't the best choice. So how are we to know whether our impulses are good or bad? How are we to know whether our heart is leading us in the right direction? We have to use the word of God. That's the straight edge that tells us what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false. 
Listen, some of us get frustrated whenever the Bible goes or speaks against something that, that our heart wants to do. And we need to understand that the Bible should contradict us and, and make us frustrated at times because it goes against our heart's desires. And it does me. I'm your pastor, and I have to tell you that there's often times when I'm reading through God's word, my heart, my flesh wants something different than what God's telling me is best for me. And over the years, God's word has radically changed me over the years, and it continues to change me because it's the straight edge that puts me in line with what God has desired for me. If you look at Psalm 119, 105, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God's word is to light up our way in the right way to go and what's best for us. The word gives us wisdom about things that we can't even see. C.S. Lewis once said that the law of God is like being lost in the wilderness when your feet suddenly find the right path. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I have been. Have you ever been lost in the woods and you're, you're trying to find the trail back and finally when you find the right path and you know you're on the way back home, there's just this big relief of, I know I'm on the right path and I know I'm going to get home and you know, it was starting to get dark, I was getting worried, but now I know that I'm going to get back to civilization. It's this wonderful feeling that we have. Well, listen, on our own, Without God's light for our path, we're just wandering around and we're trying to find our own way in this world and we're, we're lost. But then you find this path, you find God's path in his word and all of a sudden the path is lit up. All of a sudden it's illuminated. It becomes clear in which way to go and that's what God's law is like. The more familiar you get with his word, the more you realize that, that you're not lost. He's showing you which way to go. I grew up on 150 acres, and we had a lot of woods, and I got to where I knew all the paths in the woods and all the trails and everywhere to go, and the more familiar I got with those trails, I always knew that I was never lost. I knew which way to go, I knew which way to turn, and I never got worried about it because I was familiar with it. But years later, I was running in Mount St. Francis. Anybody ever been there? And there's trails that go everywhere. And you get out in the middle of that and you're like, where am I? And there's this uneasy feeling when you don't know where you are. I wasn't familiar with it. So I felt like I might be out of here for days and nobody will find me. But eventually I found the path and got back to where I wanted to be. But that's the difference is when we're familiar and we understand and we know the path and the, and the territory then we don't have that fear. And when we're familiar with God's word, we know God's word, when we know God's way, when we know right from wrong because of what's defined in God's word, then all of a sudden the path is lit up and we don't have fear in our life anymore because we know we're on the right path and we're following God's way. The longer I've lived with God in my life and the longer I've lived in his word, the more freedom I've found and the more light I have seen. And that's just the way it works. And I, I believe that people get wiser with age and with experience and things, but I have found in my life that much more than personal experience, much more than years of living, and I've got some gray hair to show that I've had some years of living, much more than that is that I've grown in wisdom and I've grown in stature and I've grown in favor with God and man the more I'm immersed in God's word. Because listen, the Bible what I want you to learn throughout this year in this series is the Bible is more valuable than anything. The Bible is more valuable than anything this world can give us. In verse 72, the psalmist says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You feel that way about God's word? Do you feel like this is more valuable than thousands of gold and silver pieces? I heard Pastor J.D. Greer use this illustration. He said, what if I were to stand up here 
and say, I will give you $500,000 if you put down the Bible and never read it again. Which one's more valuable? Would you take the $500,000 and never pick up the Bible again? Or would you say, no, God's word, it's way more valuable to me than thousands of gold pieces and silver pieces. That's a challenge for us. Because if this really is more valuable than all the money in the world, then why aren't we eating it up? Why aren't we able to spend moments and and minutes and hours every day just eating this up and getting ourselves in it and allowing it to illuminate our lives? Is it really more valuable than thousands of gold and silver pieces? What level of importance does the Bible have in your life? What level of importance does the Bible have in your family? Because here's the reality. Do you realize there's an enemy prowling around like a lion that wants to kill you? There's an enemy prowling around like a lion that wants to steal from you. There's an enemy prowling around like a lion that wants to destroy your life and your family's life. That's, that's the truth. The enemy's trying to cause so much turbulence in your life that you back off and you don't get that breakthrough that God has for you. You see, God has a breakthrough for you and it's found when you are immersed in his word. And guess what? When Satan attacked Jesus, what does the Bible say that Jesus did? To say he took a deep breath and he counted to 10? Did Jesus read a self-help book? Did Jesus try to muster up enough strength to say, you know what, I can, I've got enough self-discipline. I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna walk away from you right now, Satan. You know what, I'm gonna put up some boundaries and guardrails. And listen, all those things can be good, but that's not what Jesus did. He didn't summon up enough strength to avoid the temptation. The Bible tells us Jesus quoted scripture directly back at Satan. He used God's word. What will you do when Satan attacks you? What are your kids gonna do when Satan attacks them? Because guess what, he already is. He's on the prowl, he's attacking. And Jesus didn't try to outwit Satan. He didn't try to lean on his character and his, and his good morals to defeat Satan. He quoted scripture. How did he quote scripture? Because he knew scripture. I know you're probably thinking he's the son of God. Of course he knew scripture, but you know what? The Bible doesn't say that he came out of the womb just quoting scripture and knowing it. The Bible tells us that he spent time where? In the temple, sitting and learning and hearing, and listening, and immersing himself in God's word to know it, to love it, to learn it, to apply it, to let it sink in, to use it to defeat Satan. He used and quoted scripture. And I found scriptures to be the best way for me to avoid temptation as well. I can tell you from my life that when I'm actively reading, when I'm actively immersed in God's word on a daily basis, when I, am, when I am in his word, I'm far more able to resist the temptations when they come. Contrast that to times when I'm not immersed in God's word. Contrast that to times when I'm more immersed in the things of the world than I am in his word, and I am more easily distracted, and I'm more easily tempted than the world becomes more enticing to me. You see, the more we're in God's word, the more we love God's word. But the more we're in the world, the more we start to love the world because it starts to overtake. And it's kind of like the old Cherokee saying that goes something like this. It's, it says that we have two wolves that live inside of us and one wolf is mean and it's angry and it's bitter and it's ready to attack. The other wolf is loving and it's peaceful and it desires to protect. So the question is, which wolf is gonna win? And the answer is the wolf that you feed. The wolf that you feed. 
Listen, when you read God's word, you're feeding on the spirit and you are doing what God has called you to do, that you're feeding the spirit that lives within you as a believer. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And when you're feeding on God's word, you're feeding that Holy Spirit so that it wells up and it overflows out of you. And then you're able to live by the spirit. Because as Christians, we all have this constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we all know that all too well. Well, how do we allow the spirit to overflow and to to be the one that wins? We have to feed it. But too often we feed the world instead of the spirit. So why not let this year, 2020, be the year when you commit to feeding the spirit and not feeding the flesh? You see, I would guess that everyone in this room spends far more than 10 minutes a day looking at social media. I'd say that's a pretty easy guess. More than 10 minutes a day of screen time. How many of us have more than 10 minutes a day of screen time? My hand's in the air. I read this week, if you read the Bible for 10 minutes a day, you will have it read in less than a year. 10 minutes a day. But it seems so overwhelming to us whenever we look at the Bible and we don't understand it and it seems so big and complex and difficult. But if we spent 10 minutes a day We can read through the whole Bible in less than a year and we'll be familiar with it. That's fascinating to me. But yet so many of us don't do it. Why is that? Well, I think it's because we spent so much time feeding the flesh. And we feed the flesh so much that our appetite for the things of God has gotten spoiled. I think of it this way, just coming out of Christmas and New Year's and I had a birthday wrapped right in the middle of there. There were a lot of days that I ate so much junk that I didn't feel like eating a good healthy meal. How many of you have ever done that? We've eaten so much junk food that when dinner time comes around, it's like, I'm not really hungry. I don't really feel like eating. And we don't eat what's good for us. You see, when we fill ourselves with junk, then we don't want the healthy food. And the same way is true in our lives. When we're feeding our lives on the things of this world, then we don't desire the things of God. But the more we will get disciplined and we will begin to feed on the things of God, then the more appetite we'll have for the things of God. And my prayer is that 2020 will be the year that we'll begin to feed on the things of the Spirit by feeding on the Word of God. And maybe we fast from some of the things of this world that take us away from the Lord. Look at how the psalmist closes out Psalm 119. Verse 174, he says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Let me ask you, do you long for the salvation of God like this psalmist does? Do you long for that? Do you long for his rules to help you? Or have you gone astray? See, it sounds like the psalmist has done both. He's had moments where he's like, I long for your word. I desire your word. I want to follow your word. Oh, but now I'm over here and I'm I'm longing for the world and I'm desiring the things of this world. Help me to desire your word again. Haven't we all been there? Don't we wander and stray sometimes from where we should be? You see, we're all prone to wander. There's an old hymn about that, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But guess what brings us back? It's God's word that brings us back. It's God's word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path that we are to follow. So I hope you'll make that choice this year to follow God. I like how Pastor J.D. Greer says it. He said this, he said, when you immerse yourself in God's word, you'll find so much more than 10 steps to a healthy marriage. You're gonna find so much more than seven steps to your best life. Instead, when you immerse yourself in God's word, you will find the 10,000 steps that Jesus took to get to you. And see, that's what it's about. And of course, he took 
more than 10,000 steps, but that's just telling us it's a huge, huge book, huge story of all the ways that Jesus has taken to reach out to you. In the New Testament, there's an amazing account where Jesus shows up to two travelers on their journey. They're headed to Emmaus, and these two, they're upset about the death of Jesus, and they're walking along, and and they thought that he was gone, and they thought that he was going to be the one to deliver them. And the Bible says that during their journey, Jesus shows up to travel with them, and they don't know it's him. They don't recognize it's him because they think he's dead. So he began to open up the scriptures, and he's talking to them. They're, they're saying, haven't you heard what happened to Jesus? And he starts talking to them and open up the scriptures, and he starts telling them about how all the scriptures point to Jesus being the Messiah. And it's Luke 24, um, 27 says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. As you read through the Bible this year, I want you to remember that every single story whispers his name that it's all pointing to Jesus. I love how in that account in Luke, it says later that night, the travelers, they, they asked Jesus to stay with them at dinner because they were fascinated by him, even though they didn't know it was Jesus yet. And it says he broke bread and he gave thanks for it. And, and then their eyes were immediately opened and they saw and they recognized that it was Jesus. And the Bible says that he immediately disappeared. And I love what they said next. Verse 32, they said this. They said this to each other. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures you see my prayer this year is that our hearts would burn within us as we open up the scriptures together and as we recognize that every story whispers the name of Jesus my prayer is that you'll make the commitment to read through the Bible this year I pray you'll make the commitment to be here every Sunday every weekend to hear the teaching on the scriptures I pray your eyes will be opened to clearly understand God's word this year and I pray that your heart will burn by the presence of Jesus in your life because you are in his word and you're spending time with him. I hope you'll join us next weekend as we begin with the beginning in Genesis as we begin to learn about the God who creates. It's going to be a fascinating journey and I'm excited to dive into it with each and every one of you. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our 2020 series, the God who creates. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.